I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Welcome to Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. This week, we are finishing up our arc on Jet Li by looking at the film Fearless from 2006 and directed by... I had it written down. Dang it. Ronnie Yu. <laughs> uh, I, I want to say Donnie Yu. Like, no, that's not right. Ronnie Yu. Ronnie Yu. Okay. Like I said, this is finishing up our arc on Jet Li and also is... Okay, Jet Li said this was going to be finishing up his kind of martial <laughs> right. arts career. As, as you know, that doesn't that's not exactly what happened. But it's definitely a very fitting film to be his final martial arts film, even though it's not exactly what happened. But Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it seems like he still considers it his final martial uh-huh. arts or final wuxia film. So, um, yeah, like, like you said, we're not entirely sure like what, his own kind of personal logic is uh for that but uh yeah (laughs) i think i think we should give it to him because it's uh yeah yeah. like you said it's just a it's a great send-off and uh we probably couldn't find a better follow-up to our last film fist of legend these Mm -hmm. two movies are connected really in like so many different ways so many different ways yeah because this film is about huo yonja and that is the master who Bruce, or well, I guess Bruce Lee in Fist of Fury and Jet Li's character in the last film was avenging, which is kind of ironic whenever you watch this movie and, and kind of see the message that it tells about Huo Yanja. But oh we'll, right, we'll get, yeah, we'll yeah, get there. That's, that's true. That's a really good point. Uh, so what's so what's y'all's history with this movie? I know I remember this is this is from 2006. It's the most recent movie we've done. And I definitely like I remember seeing, you know, the buzz about the movie and seeing it being what, what do you call it? Promoted, Promoted uh, all sure. throughout, um, you know, whenever I was in and uh, I think I was in. Don't say it. You guys feel, no, okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I won't. I won't. Don't I do won't. it. Grad school or something. Right. Yeah. 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 Getting out of college. Just just, just add E at the end of grad and, and you'll be right. So I. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I. I saw this movie in the theaters. Um, yeah, same here. I, I want to just assume that I went to see it with Alberto. I'm not sure. <laughs> so um, I kind of positioned this movie kind of we had that wave of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where it was like Kung Fu movies in this kind of triple A Hollywood um, like uh, stage. And then we had other movies like uh, House Hero, of Flying Daggers, yeah. Hero. Like all of these movies that kind of really took kung fu movies and really brought the art out in them, and I kind of um, positioned that there with those movies, and uh, I remember liking it a lot. I don't think I saw it after I saw it in the theater, but um, I didn't know at the time either that it was going to be Jet Li's um, well, quote unquote, final uh, martial arts movie. But it definitely left an impact on me. You know, the kind of themes of the martial artists, where it's like violence and making peace with yourself and um, this kind of very zen martial artist thing going on that i liked 
Yeah, I I remember having really fond memories uh, seeing this in the theater, and I think I had imported it uh, prior to that. I sort of have a memory of of already knowing the movie in the theater, but I I might have that that mixed up. And then uh, I also remember uh, my good friend Meng tracking down um, the extended cut when that was first available and watching those scenes. There's a a, a great sequence when. Uh, Huo Yunja is in the village and he fights this like Muay Thai boxer. Yeah. Um, and then there's That's some, a school a little bit. Yeah. And we'll probably get to some of the director's yeah. cut uh, stuff, yeah. but, but yeah, I've got to say rewatching the movie. I think it's maybe the, for me, the, the last uh, really great kind of like Hong Kong Kung Fu movie. Not that there aren't still great films and I love the Ip Man movies, but mm. uh something about like fearless has just a very light use of sort of CG and kind yeah. of like mm-hmm. extended kind of techniques, I guess you could say, and uh-huh. still shot on film. And so there's that great motion blur. I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. noticed, but uh, even in say like Ipmon three, you know, the fighting is so great, but um, I, I don't know if it's the shutter or what it is on these digital cameras, but mm. the motion always looks, at least to me, it looks, looks sort of strange and i don't know i just feel like there's everything about this production is is really strong at least from the you know like fighting execution side Uh, we can kind of get into maybe some of the story beats as as we go along but Hmm. um yeah this is a great uh great you know send-off if that's how Jet Li wants to look at it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the cg is interesting because I think Crouching Tiger had a little bit of some. Obviously, the there was the computer uh, wire removal for right. flying around. And there's that but, one shot we talked about before, as they get yeah, into the, the bamboo very, forest and that pool. Yes, yeah. Uh, there's a couple of of kind of CG shots, and I feel like the CG kind of stands out in this, just because I don't. I, right. I guess it's just because all of the really good CG studios are in America and Canada. So a lot of times when you see it from foreign countries, it kind of, I don't know, it looks kind of cheaper, I guess. Uh, but it doesn't it doesn't really take up too much space in the movie. So it's not, you know, it's not too crazy. Yeah, there are definitely yeah, some yeah. scenes that use like blue screen or green screen. And uh-huh. you can definitely notice the difference between the characters in the foreground and the background. But I don't think it's too invasive. Like I actually kind of like it in some ways. Um, it just kind of reminds me of the movies from that time, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, even right. nowadays, yeah, like compositing that. isn't, is, is like an art in itself. Right. And even oh, yeah. in a lot of AAA right. Hollywood movies, you can see where some composites are bad, but, um, <laughs> as far as that and, and like, yeah, strings and stuff like this too. So the wire work in this movie in a lot of ways is similar to, uh, Fist of Legend to me yeah, because they don't subtle. really do a lot of like big huge like wire um, performance in their fights. They kind of leave it to kind of maybe like flipping out of a of a kick or you know somebody mm-hmm. gets kicked and the the way they fall or it just works really well in mm-hmm. the same way that it worked for me in Fist of Legend. Definitely, it's definitely similar. It's it's similar to Fist of Legend and obviously in a lot of ways, like we were saying about the, the setting, but the, the kind of story beats I think are similar in a lot of ways too, given that it's, it's also pretty grounded. It's not like, there's a little bit of, of kind of magic, but it's more like, it's not explicit people flying, shooting energy beams kind of magic. It's more like, you know, memories and could be seen as like a, you know, in someone's mind, not just, not, you know, 
not literal magic. Right. It's more sort of spiritual or something. Yeah, spiritual. That's the word. Yeah. Uh, and I did want to maybe apologize to our listeners that we're doing all of these kind of period piece uh, movies and we're not getting to show Jet Li with like DMX or right. Aaliyah or anything <laughs> like that. Like, so maybe somewhere down the line, we'll get to or Bob show Hoskins you. and Oh, D- yeah. Per- oh, right. I feel like Morgan Freeman. I feel like at some point we've got to do a whole arc that's just kung fu movies with hip hop people in them. Because. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Oh, there's, that would be a great know, segment. I, that's oh, such man. a that's such a cool like. It's one of those things that's it, they're tied pretty tightly, but they seem so different whenever if you're on the outside looking in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I did remember kind of that Danny the Dog movie for some reason. It was, it was like, called uh, Unleashed over here. Unleashed. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. See, I think of Danny the Dog of course, more. Of course, it's called Unleashed. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah that's actually a great movie and yeah i thought it was cool and actually yeah. similar to this movie i feel like jet lee really his acting chops came out in uh, mm-hmm. unleashed and in this movie as well he's yeah he really has some great acting in this movie yeah there's something about uh jet's acting here i he's really throwing everything he can into it in the same same way he would for a fight sequence mm-hmm. um it's really one of the only times where I've noticed just like how hard a person is acting. And I don't mean that in, in like a negative <laughs> way. I think it's maybe only apparent because maybe the writing and the story of the film isn't almost isn't up to the level of his acting. It, this is just my opinion. Um, mm. And so there's, I don't know, there's some interesting kind of moments where uh, Jet Li's kind of out on a, on, on a ledge, like pretty, pretty vulnerable in a lot of these, in a lot of these sequences. But um yeah, no, it's it's amazing to have this committed to film here. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should start diving into the movie itself, but that's also going to be a little weird because the uh, like we said, there's the the original cut that premiered in Hong Kong, and then there's also the director's cut. But apparently, in some places in the United States, the director's cut was the movie that came over. So, which I, I wasn't really able to get a, a clear answer exactly on that. I watched the director's cut, though, mm, uh, nice. and it starts in a completely different way than like the, the non-director's the, cut. In like the present day, right? Yep. It starts in present day Shanghai, which whenever I first saw it and started up the movie, I was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you see all like the skyscrapers and uh, and all that. And then I saw Michelle Yeoh, which I was like, whoa, <laughs> Michelle Yeoh, what are you doing in this movie? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, it starts off with Michelle Yeoh basically presenting to, I guess, like the Olympic committee or something saying that wushu should be a Olympic sport. And, and the people are saying, well, why should wushu be an Olympic sport? And she says, well, first, I got to tell you about the person that made wushu an Olympic sport, who is Huo Yanja. And then it cuts back to turn of the century China, and and then the movie actually starts. Right, and then it cu- so, cuts to him as a, a little child from that shot, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at first, at first, that's the other thing that threw me off. At first, it actually cuts to about halfway through the movie, whenever he's at like his lowest point and is in like the bottom of a ship. Oh, and then oh, it cuts right. back to him as a child. This is fun. I like this because I haven't watched the director's cut, so. Uh, it's like you're flipping the tables on us right now because yeah, I'm, I'm used to being familiar with the movie and you yeah, and I'm not maybe not being as familiar. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> 
Yeah, in the version that I saw, it starts with like um, wartime footage, and it's talking about how um, it's sort of like yeah, like how foreign powers looked very negatively upon China. Yeah, um, and they mention like, oh, this is because you know one man was able to bring the country together, blah blah blah, this and that, and they say this man was Huo Yanja, and then they jump to the tournament. It's kind of what what do they call that technique? In medius res, where they yeah. jump you way forward, and um, then you find out why things lead up to that point. So which which tournament? So the actually it's, the final one where he's fighting the yeah, four, like the very the very end. And yeah. You get you get sort of brief tastes of the first three fights, and mm-hmm. then just before the the street fighter fights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but those are yeah they're they're pretty outstanding. But um, mm-hmm. and then yeah just before. The final fight. That's when we flash back to. That's a different fighting game. The China, yeah, yeah. <laughs> final fight two. We flash back to Paperboy, um, Skater Dot, and then no, uh, to like little kid version of Hua Yunja, like looking gotcha. through the the rice huh. paper. And it's it's funny now, kind of knowing uh, the difference between the cuts, you can kind of understand how this was all put together in the edit. Hmm. Because I think they use that black and white footage later in the film in the director's cut, and so they're they're kind of building a different framing device here, and as based on a actually a totally different theme. It's more about um, sort of, sort of just the uh, Huo Yunja is like a national nationalist, mm-hmm. like inspiring figure rather than as sort of the father of Wuxia. And I don't know, I mm-hmm. I. At least on paper, I think I'm. I am probably more drawn to the original, like Michelle Yeoh framing device. But it might have been an issue of just you know theme on top of theme on top of theme, sort of like where is the focus of the movie? Yeah, I don't know. I can I can totally see both of them. The issue that I have with the director's cut is in the middle of the movie. There's a lot that they cut out in the theatrical version, from what I've read, and that makes a lot of sense. Because as cool as that one fight against the like the kickboxer guy is, sure. it doesn't really add anything to the plot, and that makes pushes the movie near two hours and thirty minutes. Whenever right. a cool a cool two would have been would have been fine. You know, what's, you know what's interesting is even in the Hong Kong theatrical cut, um, I think the section where Huo Yunja is in the village, it it drags it drags quite a bit, even mm-hmm. even with the edits, um, mm. and I actually. I don't know the the scenes they cut I, are actually kind of the meatiest, but I, yeah, I, there just may not have been a good solution because uh, it probably feels a little long, either way, and um, they sort of introduce what ends up being kind of his love interest, so it is is important, and that's also where his character really transforms, so it's mm-hmm. really you know crucial to the story, but um, yeah, it is a tricky turn I think in whichever version of the movie you're watching. It is interesting too. So do they in this director's cut again, do they kind of build on his relationship with uh that woman? Because in the version that I am familiar with, like there is a little bit of back and forth between them, but ultimately it doesn't really do anything. Like all that it is is like he says, I'll come back someday. And then yeah. um kind of at the end you're kinda of left with a shot of you know like her looking up at him and yeah and then that's pretty much it but there's there isn't really like 
I don't know. I was it wasn't convincing to me. I'd say it's it's pretty similar. Oh. Like you, it definitely it definitely builds up a lot to say you know they're have this relationship being you know building up, but then it kind of you know he has to return to society and that kind of gets kind of gets left to left behind. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess for the sake of the episode, um, <laughs> we could start with him as a child. You yes. know, we can talk about that, and then that's a good uh, idea. We can kind of move chronologically, and then. Yeah. Then we can kind of catch Michelle Yeoh's scenes at maybe at the the very end. It it is a shame yeah. when you have such a huge and wonderful actor like Michelle getting cut out of the film. But you can understand the way yeah, the no. story is structured. It is sort of an easy an easy edit. You know, it's like you're able to kind of lose this entire flash forward to the present day. Yeah, which... it's surprising. I'm definitely gonna go back and watch the director's cut after this. But so whenever we first see him as a kid, he's He's, I mean, he's kind of a brat. He kind of is a brat yeah. for the first half of the movie, um, <laughs> even as a, even as an adult. He's like sneaking above a gate and <laughs> like staying on an adult's shoulders to see. Uh, is I think that's it's, is that his father? Or is that a different? Yeah, that, at this that's point? his yeah, father. His that's father. cool. And that's his father. Yeah, and he's, yeah. he's played Colin by Chow plays Colin yeah. Cho. Yeah, so we saw him in Kung Fu Cult Master, and like I mentioned yep. in that he was episode, the, he was the jerk brother in Kung Fu Cult Master, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's totally. yeah. And we talked about how we, he down. popped up in the Matrix sequels. Yep, right, 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 right. Uh, but yeah, he's watching his dad uh, do like practice kung fu, and it's really clear that Yuan Jia is really you know super excited to do kung fu stuff. He wants to be you know the the coolest, strongest fighter guy. And he's kind of a jerk because he has a he has a friend named uh, Jin Soon or Jin Sun rather. Uh, but he gets Jin Sun to like do his homework for him, and while he just practices kung fu or tries to practice it. Yeah, you see that his father doesn't want him to practice. There's even a scene where he's coming in to see him train his students, and he makes all his students stop, and he kicks them out. And he says, like, yeah, you know, you're not supposed to be here. What it is is he really wants to practice, but his father wants to have him focus on academics. And part of mm-hmm. the reason is because he suffers from asthma. And, right. um, yeah, Huo Yanja himself, in actuality, did suffer from asthma growing yeah. up. They mentioned that in Fist of Fury and Fist of Legend, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure, that he had asthma. Because that was the whole idea of that's what, what killed him. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> he's a historical figure and that's that is actually how he how he died but we'll, we'll get into that later <laughs> right the sort of young life section of the movie and actually you know kind of the next 20 minutes of the film they really remind me of like a classic like late 70s sort of kung fu film I it's, that it's just shot that it's, it's just like... shot so much better and like the production value yeah. feels really modern but mm-hmm. um yeah it's like it's like a little kid kung fu movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's great I, I think so and yeah it really it, it kind of hits the mark in terms of you know setting up the the character that he is a brat i imagine it's uh got to be kind of a surprise for Hong Kong audiences, probably audiences everywhere. Um, you know, and it might just take a few minutes for it to really land like, Oh wait, Jet Li isn't a, isn't a good, a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He's, he's a very bad of, person. Yeah. That's sort of a, uh, I think in many ways, that's what makes this movie special is that mm-hmm. you're spending so much time with a character that if this were a seventies Kung Fu film, they would probably be the villain and maybe you wouldn't have this sort of redemption. That's I have, I literally wrote down, Huo is the villain in another person's <laughs> Kung Fu movie. That's great. 
Yeah. And, uh, the, and that actually comes into play with the real life story where uh, Huo Yanja's descendants were pretty upset with this movie. Oh, right. Didn't because they really of sue the, the characterization. Yeah. So um, not only does this movie take some liberties with actual events. I mean, it's a movie. So, you know, yeah, sometimes that's right. going to happen. But I mean, it's kind of extreme with what they play with in this movie. But um, the family was really upset with him being kind of brash and, you know, starting fights with people. Like, that's not the mm-hmm. uh, Yonja that the they name. wanted their family to. This reminds um, me of the know. way some fans uh, are attempting to complain about Luke Skywalker and The Last Jedi. Not oh, to man. spoil anything. Oh, man. Don't, don't, don't say anything. <laughs> don't say anything. No, dude, I'm, I'm crazy about the movie. So I, <laughs> um, I, I'm, I knew I'm where team you were fearless. Going. I'm team fearless and team The Last Jedi. So. <laughs> me too. I am as well. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, they weren't very. They weren't successful in. They really wanted like the movie to not come out. They weren't oh, wow. successful in that, but um, it was a very publicized story uh, when the movie was coming out. I really like the the child actors. They're all really good. Yeah, they're really um, good. I was gonna say they actually had, for for it only being like fifteen minutes of the movie, they all were really well cast. Yeah, the the kid has a lot of charisma. You, he's almost kind of got like a Bart Simpson attitude going on. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, and um, then like his adversary, the the Zhao fist uh uh-huh. child, he's really good. And um, Nong Jinsun's character is kind of he almost reminds me of like a Peanuts character. <laughs> his little outfit <laughs> yeah, with yeah. the hat. Yeah, oh, on that's and, perfect. And stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And I also think it's really cool watching little kids like fight like this like if they made like mm-hmm. a kung fu movie but replaced all the actors with just little kids but they were <laughs> all as good as these kids are i would love it yeah yeah, yeah no that w- that would be really great that's mm-hmm. uh maybe one of the highlights of the movie for me is mm-hmm. we have a sequence where in the sort of town square we see uh hua Yunja's father uh fighting this other man in town um and they're on this uh sort of raised stone pedestal that ends up being mm-hmm. kind of an important spot and uh it seems that that his father is clearly the better fighter but just before he delivers kind of the finishing punch he stops short and um doesn't follow through with it and then he's kind of knocked out of the ring and uh and declared the loser yeah declared the loser and so just following that because um the sons of these two fighters had been kind of teasing each other is um, literally my dad can beat up your dad yeah exactly yep. so then they <laughs> they end up having a match in that same spot while the, but the crowd has sort of scattered and it's there's something great really fit. great about there's this, this sequence. there's this amazing like crane shot going around the two yeah. of them yeah and it's funny because the because the zao kid is definitely like noticeably older than mm-hmm. uh yanja is like probably like you know 13 14 and yanja is maybe like eight or something yeah, he's, right. he's pretty little. Uh, it kind of yeah, reminds me. He gets me... A, a horrible beating in this. Fight. Yeah, he. Gets, oh yeah, he, he gets, gets he's messed with... up. It reminds me of a scene. Also, I bring up Shanghai Express again. There's oh, a funny sure. scene in that movie where there's uh, two masters that meet each other, but um, there's two children as well, and the two children fight, and one of those children is like a baby Wong Fei Hung, and it's kind <laughs> of played as a joke, but yeah. uh, you get to hear uh, Wong Fei Hung's theme. Like while the two little kids are fighting, that's and, uh, <laughs> then they get pulled apart by their parents. It's pretty cute, but that that's reminded funny. me of this kid Yanja gets beat up and taken back to his father, and it's kind of 
it's kind of it kind of shocked me at first because uh the father is like you've been fighting again like you know i've told you not to fight and then he gets his servant to bring him a rod and he's like whoa whoa wait what yeah the kid's reaction is really cute he's like (gasps) yeah yeah Uh, he's not he's not allowing him to like learn organically like from his you know his own consequences but luckily this is where we're introduced to his mother who steps in in the nick of time and we can see that it's almost as though she really has the power in the in the household and so she just kind of orders that the punishment not happen and that he be sent to his room and instead his punishment is to write confucius's analects 10 times before dinner mm-hmm. and i looked it up and confucius's analects it would uh, i mean i don't know if any of our listeners are also grew up in the south and and read the bible a bunch as a kid but um <laughs> But it would be kind of be like reading if the your father said to write the book of Proverbs ten times before dinner, like it's not a short piece of of, uh, of wow. literature. Whoa. Like it's like it's it's a bit. It, it's pretty <laughs> you know, pretty long. It's lots of like sayings. Well, uh, actually, not, since I mentioned Bart Simpson, that's like the intro. In the yeah, season. yeah. <laughs> writing perfect. on the chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I love about this is it makes it really plausible that Huayun Zhao doesn't have a very rich sort of philosophical or spiritual life because his mm. father used it as a punishment. And I sort yeah, of feel like we so. see that in, in the real world for parents mm. that might oh, kind of totally. aggressively use, uh, you know, teachings in, in that sort of a way. And then the kids end up missing the point of the teachings because it's just like, that's just the thing they have to do. Right. And it's something that you're going to flinch from because it's, it's mm-hmm. a punishment. Yeah. Dude, that's like totally like in kindergarten, I couldn't like go out to recess until I finished my vegetables. Like seriously, <laughs> like kindergarten, I was like in a school with like nuns and stuff. And to this day, like green beans, peas, like I hate them. And it's oh, because yeah. of that, like I got this I feel you. reflexive uh, reaction to being forced to do it. Oh, man. <laughs> even the smell, even the smell of peas is not good for me. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. But the other thing I liked in this scene is that um, his mother, like you said, Marty, um, she's basically telling him like Jet Li's like ethos behind martial arts. Yeah. Like, she's telling him like Wushu is not about winning. It's about discipline and self-restraint. And then she's talking about respecting yourself and ha- being able to respect others. And, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that Jet Li was doing, like when he was doing press for the movie, was explaining like, hey, I want people to know how I believe, mm-hmm. you know, wushu, martial arts to right. be like, yeah. it's not about punching somebody harder. It's about improving yourself. And mm-hmm. he wanted to really use this movie as a bookend to all of his beliefs and being able to share that with everyone in the world, which I think is really commendable. It's it's pretty cool. He didn't say, oh, yeah. I want to make the biggest, most expensive, explosive right. fight scenes. Like, really, I mean, you get the best of both worlds in this movie because you've got <laughs> Yung Wu Ping doing these amazing, like, set-piece fights, but also you get right. this kind of um, martial arts philosophy uh, within the movie itself. Well, and it's yeah. also commendable because he doesn't just position himself or, or the casting or... or uh, Ronnie or anyone they don't position Jet to be the infallible sort of Superman um, mm-hmm. yeah and... I mean, he's definitely a very flawed hero mm-hmm. but yeah Jet Li Jet Li himself is a Tibetan Buddhist mm-hmm. and you can definitely feel a lot of Buddhist kind of philosophy throughout the 
the movie and in the redemption arc and everything. I loved, I love one, just one more bit, or I guess two more bits with the kids. <laughs> I love whenever they're trying to, uh, whenever he's digging around trying to find like a, a kung fu manual, basically. And whenever he's digging through it, like it looks like he's looking through like his dad's Playboys or something. He's like <laughs> dig, like looking underneath, and he grabs hey, it, and it's like flipping limits. through it all fast. <laughs> <laughs> But awesome. then whenever you see it, it's just like, you know, you like see the like the poses in, in martial arts and stuff. That's great. And uh, then there's that thing, too. You know, if something is withheld from you, it just makes you want it that much more. Oh, okay. yeah. You know, yeah. and um, who's to say if this was actually what happened with Po Yonja. But <laughs> he in this movie, he's obsessed with being the best. And, and it's to a fault, you know, like right. he, he loses sight of what things that could be like more important to him. And um, he's just focused on winning and winning and winning. And when he does, he he trains up and fights the kid that beat him up again and beats him up pretty well. And it's it's really funny because he's being all serious, saying, like, don't go bragging about your, you know, your kung fu style ever again. And then <laughs> he just starts running on the street going, like, yeah, I won, I won, I won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then that's whenever we uh, cut back to Jet Li. And the modern, not I guess not the modern day, him as an adult. Uh, yeah. This opening shot and, is is great because there's oh, this kind of misdirect where he's like throwing this fist and then you see that it's almost like a rock, paper, scissors with his daughter, uh, who's, who's <laughs> another, the, probably the last child actor we should call out. She's really outstanding. Mm. I think. Yes. Oh, yeah. She's, she's, she's super cute yep. and, and really funny. Yeah. And I have written down, cut to adult Huo. He's happy with his daughter and family. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have become watched so movies. wise you, in the ways yeah, of Heroes 3 You're movies, pretty good, Matthew. man. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> but he's, um, he has a real, some really cute interactions with, with the daughter and, uh, and he gets issued a challenge, and it turns out that he's getting uh, being challenged by the same kid that we just saw him and beat a couple of minutes ago. But uh, they're both now adults, right? And this this like p- crazy platform they're on, you have to do like a American Gladiator challenge to get oh, up yeah. to it. Yeah, absolutely, totally American Gladiator. That's great. <laughs> yeah, you have to sort of swift <laughs> you have to, like, run across these, these like yeah. yeah, you have to like run up these these planks. It's it literally looks like something from like Mario or something. Yeah, it's cool that dude. That would not just if he would come out of retirement because um, he's never <laughs> made another movie again. But Jet Li should <laughs> play Mario in the um. <laughs> This seemed to be sort of rebooted. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd watch it. I, I mean, would. I'd watch it. I'd watch it. Um, well, no, but, I feel like I feel like it'd be like, and I feel like Samo would be an amazing Mario. Oh my oh, gosh! Man. Yes, please. Oh, we should edit that out of the out of the podcast because it's such a good idea. And <laughs> <laughs> got to keep that to ourselves. Yeah. Oh man, that would be amazing. Just gotta get a time machine. Go Dude, back to the seventies. Luigi. Yeah, Come we on. could just do. Bring back the three to make yeah. a Mario movie. Let's do it. <laughs> Jackie Chan's oh, Wario. Dude, I, I had this. I had this dream for for years where uh, I wish they would make a movie, and you'd call it Pochi Lam, and you have them all playing characters that they'd played before. So you'd have Jackie as Wong Fei Hung, which you played in <laughs> Drunken Master, mm-hmm. yeah. and you'd have Yun Biu as Foon and Samo mm-hmm. as Butcher Wing, and then. <laughs> 
Yes. So, anyways, like <laughs> that would be an amazing. This is the dream. It was it's funny because they're all old now. So just yeah, totally. <laughs> well, there them. there was a movie I, several years ago called I think in Hong Kong it was called Rob B Hood. I can't remember yeah. what it was called over here. Yeah, and it was I like originally that movie. supposed to be. It was supposed to be a trio vehicle for uh-huh. uh, Jackie Samo and Yoon Byu and it somehow either scheduling or something didn't work out. Yoon Byu ended up having a role in it, but not the original one he was going to have. So you just see Jackie and he together again. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I remember that He's was like a, a cop in it. Yeah. Yeah. So and close, Jackie's like no. kind of, kind of more of a scumbag kind of thief character in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty for me. That's one of the last great uh, Jackie movies. I, I, I feel really the same that. way too, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Not to derail our. Um, oh man, yeah, this episode's going to derail our already derailed episode. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, so um, the thing I like about this well, fight. Let's going save back this to for this. the director's cut of Heroes Three. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, not just the fight itself, but getting up to the platform is like an impossible task. So <laughs> right. the guys standing up there just waiting for him. So he's going you know climbing these kind of wooden poles and he's like kind of losing his balance a little bit so then he just decides like screw it and he grabs a rope and climbs up the side so um they're standing up on this platform and this is where i was talking about the like the composite where you yeah you see the background is very like a blue screen background but i mean right i wouldn't want to fight on a platform that high in real life anyways, yeah absolutely so what is an interesting hate thing and i think you guys were kind of touching on it um just because there is the occasional you know computer assist uh it doesn't mean that there's sort of any less uh kind of like wonder or danger and a lot of the mm-hmm. you know a lot of the fight choreography so it's kind of an interesting combination that you have and i would say this is maybe one of the sequences where some of the cg stuff is more pronounced because we actually do like a super fast zoom out to see yeah it's almost kind of like a what not to do with cg i I, I think Uh, although although we see a lot worse i would say with just about every other blockbuster in hollywood so who knows i could be totally totally wrong but yeah we we zoom out to see kind of like the rooftops of the town and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. these two guys but this fight is still incredible and like the cgi doesn't in any way affect them fighting it's just kind of the the surrounding area uh but their their fight's definitely pretty incredible um there's some cool wire work too where like jet lee does this bit where he like it, it, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like he's almost doing like a push up, but the entirety of his body is off of the platform. Yeah, he's and like he using jumps back up. It's like a plank, you know, just yeah, to keep like himself um, on the platform. Yeah, and I like how uh, the Zhao Fist dude, like his stances are super strong looking. He he looks mm-hmm. like he's like a really like more of a strong man martial mm-hmm. artists. Towards the end of the fight, he begins to use like a tiger claw stance, and right. Huo Yunja calls it cat's paw, which really cracks yeah. me up. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> There's uh, also re- some really good use of the wood itself, where yeah. they'll like do an axe kick to the platform, and a wood panel will pop up, and then they'll use that in addition to their fist to yeah jet will like punch through the board and yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of punching through wood planks in this movie it's really and and the like fighting per minute ratio of fearless is really high i had kind Mm -hmm. of forgotten just how 
just how much combat there is uh, until rewatching it. But you're almost never, other than maybe the the sort of village portion of the movie, you're almost never more than you know two minutes away from from a really <laughs> great fight sequence. Yeah. But he defeats the kid all grown up, and he 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 like punches him off of the platform, but and he like tries to stop him from falling, and I was afraid that he was just gonna just gonna kill the guy already but he he does like the, the guy ends up you know just being hurt and and they go off to celebrate and you find out yanja is a pretty pretty heavy drinker and partier and he like keeps you know offering money for all the people to drink and, and eat and everything while uh, we see grown up jin sun is uh, kind of like all right you can't just keep doing these parties all the time <laughs> right yeah and uh, he's the one that actually owns that restaurant yes he owns so the you, restaurant so you kind of have this buddy buddy thing going on and Hyo yanja it it doesn't seem like he's taking advantage of his friend mm. but he's also not being mindful of right. the things that jinsun is doing for him it's almost so, like um, he's like he's just not completely a responsible adult yet at this point in his life like he's just yeah. not it's almost like he's choosing not to really um be aware of the consequences of yeah his, and his actions and in a lot of ways he's kind of a celebrity too where um you right. know the people know that he's a champion and then he begins to garner all of these students and he doesn't seem to be very critical of them he'll just bring them in and um the thing that i thought of was you remember mc hammer like got super popular and then <laughs> He like he Did was that stop, basically though? I well <laughs> I might I mean, need to be updated cuz I'm still uh, yeah. <laughs> so what happened though is that all of his friends and stuff like hung around him and he would pay for everybody's stuff and he wanted to yeah, help his friends you. but that kind of contributed to his downfall where he mm-hmm. was running out of money because he was just he wasn't able to say no to all of his friends that he wanted yeah. to help out. So you kind of have a similar situation in here. He's the hot new thing but it's doomed to it's doomed to fail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we also get a sad shot of his daughter like sitting, waiting for him to come home and and having yeah. to go to bed. Yeah, it's like and one of these saying, things Aw. where you know, like, what's really important in your life? Yeah. You know, is it being the champion or is it the family that you're not spending time with right now? And we see a cool. Uh, he's he's saying to Jin Sun that he's going to be like the champion of of the of the town, and you know, defeat every master in town. And we get a really cool montage. And I was thinking, I got want to see some of these fights. Yeah, these are great. There's some, there's yeah, some crazy they, characters. Like we see, like we see these two guys who are like standing on top of each other's shoulders. Yeah, and I, I call them the Shaolin stack. Oh yeah. my gosh, the Shaolin stack. That's great. <laughs> uh, he beats I see, the guy. Hey guys, who, I feel like if we ever had like a mailbag component to the show, we should call it the Shaolin stack. Stacks a really good name. All right. <laughs> oh man, hang on. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down. That's so cool. But he's fighting in the rain with uh on that yeah, with the umbrella. Yeah, that's kind of a once upon a time in China yep. sort of tip yeah, of the totally. tip of the hat to to that. And yeah, that looks it looks great. I mean, uh we haven't really called it out, but I would for me the cinematography and the directing of Fearless is just terrific. It's mm. 
it's about as close as you could kind of get the camera, just kind of generalizing, I guess, across all of the fights. It's about as close as you could get the camera, but still really sort of showing everything. And there's really interesting camera angles. And for the most part, the cuts are, are really nicely paced. And yeah, just the whole movie looks just looks looks great. Ronnie Yu has done a couple of films uh, in Hollywood. I think he did one oh, of the man. Chucky movies, like Bride of yeah. Chucky or something. I was waiting to bring that up. So <laughs> Okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> he he directed not only he did he direct Bride of Chucky, but he was the guy that designed Chucky for that movie. <sighs> which is insane. So then the other thing the other movie that I saw from him in theaters, not knowing at the time, is Freddy versus Jason. Right. So really? He directed that movie too. And actually thinking <sighs> back to that movie in a lot of ways, it kind of does seem like more of an action-y kind of, not oh, a yeah, martial arts more, movie. It's but definitely more of an action movie than a horror movie. Yeah, and actually that movie, as goofy as it is, I, I remember liking it when, it when I saw it in the theater. So it might be worth revisiting, but I thought that mm-hmm. was really funny. Yeah, that's that's interesting because those are definitely more, I was going to say horror films. I guess they're horror films that aren't really horror films. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Bride, the, of Bride of Chucky isn't exactly a scary movie. It's, I mean, it's kind of freaky, but it's more like a black comedy than anything else. Yeah, I would say that right. those two movies are more cartoons than yeah, oh, uh, definitely very cartoony. <laughs> Which is funny because this is a very grounded movie. Like this isn't this isn't a cartoony like Wuja kind of thing. This is yeah. very grounded. It's just so funny how you can go from something like that to this movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I like what you say about fearless being really grounded um Mm -hmm. like you were saying earlier carlos like i probably also would kind of group this in the like post crouching tiger era but it actually doesn't owe all that much to to crouching tiger um Mm. it's almost more that like ronnie is just bringing a very kind of like polished level of filmmaking sort of back to hong kong Mm -hmm. um i think yeah we're mostly kind of in in the real world and it's kind of an updated um, you know, classic Kung Fu film. I don't know. It's like a, it's kind of a nice midpoint between like a kind of Choi Hark influence and like a, mm. you know, golden age classic kind of a thing. Yeah. I think well, kind of what I meant by that whole era was that like Crouching Tiger was kind of like the gateway drug for the United totally. States and Hollywood. Oh yeah. Totally. Where it's like, okay, now we want to see these movies. No, and I'm then, with you. No, I, I group it in that same. Yeah. Yeah. That wave of, of movies after that. But yeah. And also with Quentin Tarantino coming in and kind of, you know, Kill Bill being essentially a Western Kung Fu movie. Right. Yeah. No, really good point. Next we see he, after he beats all these guys in this montage he like all you know everyone wants to be his disciple and he's he's drinking in the in the restaurant again and this one uh kid who's kind of been looking at him the whole night walks up to him and basically says hey you haven't beaten my godfather yet and then just walks away (laughs) yeah he's mean mugging Uh, him the whole time he looks pretty evil too he's a yeah this actor he has one of those i'm sure it seems like this is always the rule like the people that play the heavies are extremely nice in real life and sometimes <laughs> the heroes aren't aren't so nice but yeah this this guy he really seems kind of born to at least on in movies to be some kind of villain i think he's he also a, young too. a fight choreographer if i'm not mistaken oh cool so now yuanja has to is thinking okay well now i gotta i gotta beat this guy uh the guy's name is master chin yuanja is kind of discussing this with 
uh, Jin-sun, and then we see his uh, one of the disciples come in, or some of the students come in, and they are carrying like one of the other students who's all beaten up, and they say that Chen beat him up. So uh, Yanja decides, all right, well now it's now it's time, and he kind of crashes Chin's birthday party or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, uh, Master Chin celebrating his birthday, and uh, Paul Yanja is kind of like he's in the restaurant in like the area that they've reserved for the yeah. party. And right here, if you didn't know by now, they're all like all of his crew. They're all wearing black. And they're all mean mugging at the party. And it's like <laughs> right. you gotta know that yeah. you're the bad guy now, right? Yeah, that's safe. <laughs> are we? Are we the good guys? Yeah, right. yeah. They're just and this and the party is at Jin Sun's restaurant, right? That's right. Yeah. And he sort of he sort of pleads with Huayan and says like, you know, really can can this not be another day? Um, this is really disrespectful to this party. Mm. But yeah, he's just he really won't take uh, he won't take nothing from nobody at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, all throughout the movie, we've seen these these, I guess, death contracts, basically the the contract that the two sides sign to say, you know, if you die in the because of this fight, you know, it's that's you're you're okay with that. And he holds up the contract saying, hey, I've already signed. Are you going to sign it? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like a permission slip. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Thank God for permission slips. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and this fight is ridiculous. Like this is, I, this might be my favorite fight in the movie. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, really, I think a lot of the fights in fearless, you almost get the sense that they're kind of like trying to retire the category. Do you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, yeah. totally. And it's like, if you know, if Jet Li was of the mind that really this is my final martial arts film, you clearly get the sense that Yun Ping is putting everything he's got into it. I mean, there's you see touches from early in his career and really kind of cutting edge choreography as well. And this could be the tea fight to sort of end all tea fights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or tea house fights, sorry. <laughs> tea house fights, yeah. It starts off with the two of them both have swords. Yeah, they're and... these Chinese broadswords with mm-hmm. um, chins has like these rings on them, which um, I kind of looked into a little bit and people are kind of not exactly sure to their use, but they're different um, things that they said they could have been used for. Some people say mm. that they're used for demonstration. Some people say that say, I thought it was just because they made cool noise. Yeah, because <laughs> the noise. There's even something that I read that said that um, the ringing of those rings, like the noise, is kind of like a spiritual like ward kind of thing. How uh, oh, gotcha. they would ring bells like to yeah, like, appease like to ward spirits. off spirits or something. Yeah. So yeah, those it huh. looks really cool. Whatever its purpose is, I think yeah. it looks great. It definitely looks cool. Mm-hmm. And apparently it makes it stronger too because we see Chin literally cut through Jet Li's sword a couple of times throughout the fight. Yeah. Until he gets down to like this little nub. Yeah, and they're uh, using every inch of this place. Mm-hmm. They're flying through walls. They're smashing through staircases. They're in mm-hmm. like the garden pool, um, you know, clinging their swords together. And you, you get a lot of these sparks when they uh, swipe at each other. It's pretty dramatic. And you kind of get this really nice atmosphere. It's like at night. And there's a bit of a storm going on. It's not raining, but you get right. like flashes and thunder as the fight goes on and it escalates. And you get the sense that 
Paul Yanja is winning the fight, but it's not it's not a victory in in the viewer's eyes. You know, like right, right. he he ends yeah. up basically beating the man to death and um yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a martial arts movie where they kind of portray the sadness in a fight like they mm-hmm. do in this fight scene. It's yeah. It's really powerful. Yeah, because yeah, by it's, the end of the fight they're both bloodied and, and beaten up. But uh, Yanja is definitely on the definitely has the advantage. And they end up in this room with all these jars of, of wine and they're just bashing through all of them. He's like breaking Chen's arms. And then eventually he just this this huge punch right to Chen's chest who and he just spits out all this blood and, and crumples down dead on the floor. It's it's rough. Yeah. I mean, this is just such an amazing sequence on really on kind of multiple levels. Uh, the choreography is just phenomenal. This might be the first fight that you remember when thinking of this movie, if, if you've seen it before. But it's also really on point for character. It's not just sort of an aside. Yeah. You're really seeing um, just kind of how far gone Huayan Jia is, uh, mm-hmm. especially by the end as they're getting into the storeroom, you're really mindful of it being his friend's restaurant. Oh, and I don't think we touched on that, but they basically sort of disowned each other just prior to this fight. Yeah. Um, and the destruction just feels reckless and it's just, um, it's kind of this insult on, on top of injury. Also something that I love about the beginning of this sequence, I don't know if it's Ronnie Yu's idea or if it was put together in editing, but there's something I've never seen in any other fight where there are these uh, subtle jump cuts within the same shot. Oh, right. Um, several yes. times at the beginning. And it's almost kind of evoking kind of maybe how drunk Huayan Jia is. Mm. That's sort of how I yeah. kind of interpreted it. I and like it's that. it's really interesting. Like it's it's never disorienting enough where you're kind of like lost as to what's happening in the fight. But yeah, I don't know. It's a technique I've never seen before or since. And this is this is almost maybe the, the high point of the movie, not just in terms of fighting, but really storytelling too. And after the fight, Yanja comes out. All of his disciples are all all excited and happy. Uh, and, and the next, we see Chen's disciples carrying Chen out, um, and we see the godson seeing him getting uh, carried away. And you can just you can just kind of see in his eyes, like if this was a if this again if Huo was the villain in a different kung fu movie, this is where the the you know the godson swears revenge or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and it's a great that I didn't notice this till the second time watching through. Whenever uh, Yanja wakes up and is walking outside, he you see all these people piling up stuff, and I just realized the second time watching they're piling up all the wood that they broke from the restaurant from the yeah. fight the night before. Yeah, uh, which is just it's just kind of cool because that's definitely a side. Of like that's you don't never see the cleanup after the big right. you know fight scene, oh. which I kind of I kind of appreciated that. Yeah, I like that too. That's great. Jin Sun says that he that Chin's dead, and Yanja is kind of depressed and, and yeah, he's sort of like congratulations, you're now the like yeah. you're now the champion. Yeah, like what was it worth it? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like a hero? And then Yanja comes back home, and this is when I was like, yep, called it. Wow, that's Yanja. It's funny when I was rewatching this, I was wondering, like, kind of particularly, like, oh, I wonder if any of this is going to take Matthew by surprise. But you are so on top of this, man. It's <laughs> awesome. 
He's a good Because whenever he came, because whenever I saw him stolen back home, I was like, uh-oh, family's going to be dead. Family's going to be dead. And then he walks in, and <laughs> yep, his mother's dead. And even the little girl is killed, and it's really sad. Yeah, it's rough. They, it's very uh, real in how they address this, you know? It, it yeah. doesn't feel like you're watching a kung fu movie anymore. Like, you're right. you're seeing this tragic uh, scene play out, and you're, you're with... Yanja and his reaction and his acting in the scene reacting to yeah. losing not only his mother but also his daughter is very powerful and this might be one of kind of like the peak uh or i, I guess you could say this is like one of the highlights or highlights is the wrong word but uh <laughs> it's, anyways it's just kind of tour de force acting from from yeah. jet lee here and this mm-hmm. might be kind of the most at least for me, the most moved I've ever been by by a Jet Li performance, and mm-hmm. uh, and also the way the house is lit and all these. There's this, this beautiful sequence, kind of it's quite a close up, and it's just over just overhead, kind of looking down across his cheek, and his daughter's on his lap, it's sort of fuzzy, out of focus. Um, they cut back to that shot a couple times. Anyways, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's yeah. really really striking. It's really um, moving. Yeah, pretty rough, man. And now this next bit, I did not see this next bit coming. So, of course, he's, you know, he's he's all pissed off and is going to get revenge on the kid. And he has a sword and he walks up to the kid who's um, with his with his godmother and they're they're mourning over Chen. And the godson straight up says, yeah, I killed your family. And then he slits his own throat mm. and falls yeah. down dead on the ground. I did not see that coming. Yep. <laughs> that was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Some real stuff, man. Yeah. Really brutal. And then Huo Yanja is standing there still with weapon in hand. And now the this dead man's, his wife and child are there and... It's a really kind of bold moment in in the movie because it's like he's almost really on the precipice of pure evil here. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You know, he stops himself. But yeah, this is really powerful. It's definitely definitely one of those things that makes this stand out from other kung fu movies. And then after that, we get the cherry on top. So what happens is his group of students arrive and they're saying like, tell him, tell him. And the young student that was beaten up earlier that incited this whole situation tells uh, Huo Yanja that he was insulting uh, Master one of Master Chin's concubines and that that's what created this conflict for him to get beat up. So he really deserved the beating that he got. So um, right. yeah. it, you can almost hear a twig snap in Huo Yanja's yeah. mind. And you can see Jet Li like like kind of like shaking his head back and forth yeah. and like kind of right. you can see him like on the you know like on the edge. And yeah, he kinda enters into to madness where he's like not listening to anyone with almost yeah. cr- kind of a twisted like grin on yeah. his face. He's just completely gone at this point. And then and then this is where we get and then this is where the movie kind of uh, in the director's cut, whenever it cuts to him initially, this is kind of the scene that you see him, like he stumbles off and then is in like the the bottom of a ship, mm. just kind of like curled in a ball and looking at like a little trinket that his daughter gave him, mm. and that's like that's end act one, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but oh, then yeah. the next the next bit starts a. Uh, completely like the kind of the the, the beginning of the redemption because he is at absolute rock bottom 
and he almost it doesn't really say it i kind of interpret it as like him maybe trying to kill himself or something because sure. he, he like falls into a river and he's not really making any effort to try to swim out of it mm-hmm. well, um, and he's long haired and like beard yeah he has this big beard and his hair is all unkempt and yeah he looks weird with facial hair like that yeah <laughs> i guess i'm just not used to seeing it he's always so clean he's always very clean very clean cut but he gets fished out of the water by these by these women and basically it gets nursed back to health in this this uh, this big rice farm and that's pretty much the whole next section of the movie is him kind of recovering and him learning about like this you know more simple life and you know, he gets he starts farming the rice and, and kind of learns from the community and everything. Yeah, it's almost like he's going through like a detox. Yeah, you know, that's like, a good way to put that's, it. He, yeah, he ends up in this kind of very rural, like um, kind of candide situation. Yeah, agricultural like community. He's not really like trying to contribute for a long time, but then uh, there's a young woman that kind of befriends him and. Uh, she is caring for him. She's actually blind. And, yeah. um, you know, through his interactions with her, he kind of picks himself up and he's able to become a member of that uh, village and um, learns a bit more about himself, you know, how to stop and enjoy life, you know, not mm-hmm. not being so focused on these things that were consuming him before. Uh, this mm-hmm. obsession with winning and stuff like that. So there's some really cool scenes in here. Um, I really like the kind of uh, planting the rice where he's yeah. out in the field and he's kind of planting the rice with two other members of the village and he's just trying to cope with his own bundle. But then he realizes that the two people next to him are kind of at a double pace and um, he starts to try to rush and compete with them. And, <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> Because he has uh, to be the best. Yeah, and he kind of, you know, makes a mess of everything. And um, mm-hmm. not only that, but there's a nice beat that they go through where um, whenever there's a really nice breeze in the village... I love that. Everything stops. Like, everybody stops yeah. and stands up, and they just enjoy the the breeze. I I totally remember... Like, I'm sure it gets hot up there for in summers, but... In Georgia, it gets so dang hot during the summers. <laughs> oh, and God. whenever, like, I totally know the feeling of being outside and then a cool breeze comes by and you just stop and you just stand there and you just kind of let it literally kind of let it wash over you. Yeah. And whenever I saw them doing it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I know that feeling. <laughs> it's beautiful. I love that. Because I know, I, know uh, I know China actually has a pretty similar climate to uh, the southern United States because oh. that's... Because that's, uh, this is, my, my dad was a forester, so I know a lot of random stuff about this. But kudzu <laughs> is a invasive species, and it's from China. Oh, but in China, yeah. it has more things that actually eat it. But in the southern oh, United States, it doesn't. So it just grows and kills everything. Whoa, oh, that's so, cool. God, yeah. that's a but fascinating yeah, but, little story. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, no, this is This is beautiful. Actually, uh, recently, Alvina and I saw... This great documentary called uh, Walk With Me. It's actually about uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, the um, Vietnamese Buddhist monk. Um, mm. I don't know if you guys have heard about him, but he was uh, nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize many years ago. And anyways, in mm. France, he has this community called Plum Village. Um, mm-hmm. It's And it's sort of a pilgrimage for a lot of Buddhists. And there's a monastery yeah. there. Um, 
with Buddhists from all over the world that have sort of uh, taken up the lifestyle. And what's really interesting is uh, I think it's every hour, and I think this is manually done, but someone I think strikes like a meditation bowl or there's sort of like a, a bell or a gong sound. And whenever it happens, no matter what's going on or if people are in the middle of a conversation, or there's one moment where they're actually showing the string quartet uh, playing music and uh, it's monks that were musicians and whenever that bell strikes everyone just stops and has sort of a mindful moment um, mm-hmm. and seeing yeah, this is a see, very seeing Buddhist that in real life it's really yeah it's just really there's something beautiful there and like like you guys were saying about the kind of earlier part of the movie uh, where Hua Yongjia's mother is kind of explaining the philosophy of wushu this is i this has to have been a moment that uh, or a part of the film that was really important to jet Li, um mm-hmm. really capturing kind of the really the spiritual sort of heart of, of living a balanced life yeah and i i think you know it's something anyone can take away from this movie especially you know we're recording this right before christmas where everybody right. is in such a hurry right now you know like just mm-hmm. stop Take a couple of minutes, just chill out, and that's you beautiful. know, it's it's a cool thing. Yeah, that's why I say yeah. like this movie, like it's more more than just martial arts and fighting. You know, it's like there's a little totally. bit of everything in here. And it's funny you you mentioned Christmas. I I made a note when rewatching it, like there's almost a Christmas Carol kind of vibe to <laughs> sure. Fearless, a little bit, especially yeah. the point. Oh, we didn't mention there's kind of like um sort of a madman in the town. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's right. I don't know. He's this weird sort of. There's something theatrical about that. I can't quite put totally, my finger totally. on. Totally. It's great but, too um, because it does totally do that thing where it's like you know he does the same thing every time they show him. He does the same him. thing every time, but, but the, it completely changes based on the context. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's because he runs up to Yanja and says like, "Hey, what? When are you going to become the the champion mm. of of the town? Today is the day you're going to become the champion." And at first, whenever he does it he just Yanja's like yeah yeah I'm the best but then he sees him one last time before like after his family's killed and, and he right. sees this godson kill himself and he says the same thing in the same like drunken kind of crazy manner and it's kind of like it's kind of kind of freaky like yeah. it's kind of dark it's yeah. very uh, effective so then they don't really explain how much time has passed but you do get a sense that he's been here for at least a couple of years. And yeah, it's um, been a good bit. Yeah. There's kind of like a thing where the villagers do like a, almost like a day of the dead thing where they go to visit the graves of their uh, ancestors. And um, that kind of gives Huo Yanja this kind of anchor back to his old life where he's starting to think maybe I should leave and go back to Tianjin. And um, there's a shot of him starting to practice again. And this is like a really nice uh, slow-mo shot of him like practicing stances in a field. And it kind of looks like this is a composite like blue screen uh, right. scene as well. Um, but then shortly after that, he's talking to Moon, who is the, the young lady that he's kind of built this relationship with. And uh, he tells her that he's thinking about leaving and uh, she doesn't seem surprised by that at all. So um, right. uh, after now, this... this is another bit sorry no, uh real fine. quick director's cut this is a time. bit that's pretty different in the director's cut because in the director's cut yeah i guess ronnie you at this point thought hey, it's been too long without a fight scene let's get a fight scene mm. uh, 
because there's been this whole thread throughout that this little boy has this like is really close to this ox in the town and the ox is dying and he's really sad about all that and eventually the ox does die and they catch him trying to steal an ox from like another nearby village and so they're going to like punish the boy by basically just beating him with a bunch of sticks for for like until this incense burns out and Yanja says that he'll take the punishment for him. And uh, this is where we get to, we mentioned it earlier, this uh, like Thai uh, kickboxer uh, yeah. kind of comes in and kind of kind of beats the crap out of Yanja at first mm. before Yanja finally kind of um, defends himself. Man, I'm excited. There's like a whole other movie that I'm going to get to watch after this. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a really good sequence. And I know this is this is sort of after Tony Jaa had kind of made a splash with mm-hmm. Ong Bak. I don't know if The Protector had come out yet. Um, but I thought Ong I remember... Bak's definitely a future episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought I remember reading that um, they actually ideally wanted to approach Tony Jaa for... Um, for this. For this sequence. And I don't think it, I don't think it worked out. Oh. Yeah, um, um, Tom Young Gung, the protector, came out in I think like two thousand five. So this would have been after that. Oh, should have been after both of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, um, there's uh, a um, that big huge character, the the what's his name? He's played by Nathan Jones, this gigantic dude. Oh, that, Hercules! Uh, I was gonna say yeah, oh. Hercules oh. Mulligan. But yeah. yeah, he's in uh, Tom Young Gung, and I remember him. Oh, right. There's like this ridiculous scene in that where, um, well, that kind of the whole point of that movie is that Tony Jaa's character is kind of trying to get this elephant back. Yeah. And there's a scene where that dude, Nathan Jones, grabs like a baby elephant and just does like a giant yeah. swing and tosses it. It's insane. <laughs> it's so crazy. So me, oh, yeah. me and my friends would always joke about that shot. <laughs> that, I think that's that's right after the the famous uh single yeah that long shot staircase so now when he returns to tianjin he sees the changes that have occurred while he was away so now you can you see all the see all like the colonial different colonial forces all around you see people from from england from india yeah they're sort of like a christian missionary trying to yeah you've got this kind um, of very reminiscent of once upon a time in china where he's kind of seeing like the changes around and you get Mm -hmm. that beggar again that's He's the first person to recognize Ho Yanja. Yeah. And um you kind of see some other people like in the background kind of pointing at him like, "Oh, is is that him?" And so then he mm-hmm. goes back to his home and it looks like it's abandoned. But um actually the the servant that was there with them the whole time, he's been there keeping the house together while he was gone. So he's very happy to see him again. Ho Yanja looks into like the room. He had this room where he kept all of his like victories basically yeah he kept all the all the contracts of all the people that he he defeated yeah and it's um you know this representing how he is in his life right now and he um gets rid of all of them he burns all of those yeah he uh, like rips them up and burns all of them which i just i remember thinking because the housekeeper saying that he you know had to make sure the house didn't go into foreclosure and had to keep it all clean and kept this room exactly the way that he left it. And then Yanja comes in and says, nah, I'm going to burn all this. <laughs> right. I like that. Ow. That's good. It's like, Dude, I've been taking care of this the whole time. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, he visits his father's grave briefly. 
Um, I try to write at, at some point he goes and visits uh, Jin's son. Uh, I don't know if that's this part. Or I think, yeah, I later. think it's just after visiting his, his father's grave. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice moment there where um, he says, I, I now understand why you didn't throw the final punch and you are actually the, you were actually the champion. And yeah. It's, yeah. Um, from the very first fight we saw in the movie. Right. Jin's son is now wearing uh, like a Western style he doesn't have the jacket on, but he's wearing like a suit with like the vest and has these glasses on and everything, which I just thought was, uh, that's always a cool touch whenever, you know, you see the, like the transformation from China being very traditional to like adopting some more Western stuff along and along. Yeah. yeah. He's the perfect character to kind of show that. Yeah. Yeah. And they, he basically says, Hey, I, I need a little bit of money. Because I need to fight again, and Jin Sun's, you know, kind of a little, a little hesitant because you know that's that was what kind of caused these issues. Uh, but Jin, uh, Yan Jia has like good reasoning uh, behind it, right? And yeah, I- this is where you uh, see this newspaper article where it's um, a Westerner basically issuing a challenge to everyone, every man in China, basically saying mm-hmm. that. Um, you're all that uh, this is where the weak men of the East um, yep. saying comes into play. And um, oh, that was an I'm sorry. That was a really interesting thing I found. Um, I found out that the phrase sick man of Asia actually is a very specific phrase that was used in this time. And actually sick man of Asia refers to China just as a country. because it was like the country was sick because it's like its government was kind of failing. It was being taken over by all these different forces. And there have actually been other countries that were called the sick man of whatever throughout history. And the thing that I found out was that in the actual history of Huo Yanja, there was an instance where uh, in around 1902, there was this Russian man that he was a wrestler and he issued... Uh, a challenge in Tianjin and this he he called the Chinese the sick men of Asia mm-hmm. and um but what actually people say happened is that um Huo Yanja accepted this challenge and the moment that he accepted it the Russian man the Russian wrestler forfeited and he actually <laughs> apologized <laughs> so there's a bit of you know this how this movie kind of plays kind around of, with the history of things and, and actually his family sued the production and um, no that didn't happen so um Huo Yanja's, uh you know in the movie his mother and his daughter are killed and that never happened so i could definitely understand yeah. if i saw a movie yeah. and they're like showing my mom get murdered i'd be like yeah yo like, can wait, we what? talk <laughs> about this movie like what's yeah what's happening here so um yeah. with nang jinsun he ends up helping him. Yeah, he, he ends up lending him the money so that he can go yeah. and challenge Hercules O'Brien. Yeah, so he's going to go to Shanghai and fight. It's almost like a, a circus event where there's like I a, love the look of, of turn of the century circuses. Yeah. Because it's so like, on the one hand, it's like really neat and polished, but it's also super janky and, you know, they're in this right. tent and, and like these really old school... Uh, these are the old school like turnbuckles and and ropes right. and everything for the wrestling ring. Yeah, uh, I I really like in this, this movie like the set design is really nice where you get everything looks very authentic, but it also looks really clean. Like 
you know, everything in here looks like fresh and clean. There's not mud or anything, you know, laying around. So you kind of get that aesthetic throughout the whole movie. So like all the wood looks freshly cut and, you know, the nice beiges of the, the circus tent and everything. But um, here's where you get this Nathan Jones that I mentioned a little while ago. He is so huge. Yeah. He's like yeah. a comic he's book character. Massive. And, and he has so much fun. I mean, he's like a classic sort of heavy, like like we don't oh, yeah. we don't really see much more these days. But I mean, and in this era, he was great. he was in a bunch of movies. So like I said, he was mm-hmm. in Tom Young Gong. Um, he he's was an in, Australian wrestler originally. Oh, okay, and like so a strong man. I was gonna say he's in Police Story, like professional 4. wrestling wrestler. Oh yeah, he's in First Strike, so he's one of the big dudes. I think he's wearing like a tuxedo in that movie, and so mm-hmm. he's here in Fearless. And then one of the more recent movies you might have seen him in is in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. He's oh, like who's one seen of that. Uh, you know they have all those crazy like Latin sounding. Oh names, yeah, all the... but he's got like kind of a big backpack and kind of like a face mask on. I guess that doesn't. <laughs> oh, single man. out anyone no, I, else but well, that makes sense too because he's australian so right. Mad Max. Makes yeah sense if you see if you see that movie you'll definitely recognize him oh yeah totally. he's the guy that's, that's saying like, as if i need another is this how you need another excuse to watch <laughs> Fury right. Road again? <laughs> he's um the guy that said i had a brother and you know like yeah that's, that's, oh man yeah, yeah oh, that's gosh, him totally. that's nathan jones Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's wow. pretty cool. Way to go, Nathan. But, yeah, but uh, Yanja goes into the ring with him, and it's funny because he, he says to the to the ref, uh, suggest to, 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 you know, to Hercules O'Brien that we fight with, with honor and civility, and the, the referee goes up to, to <laughs> oh, the wrestler and says, He wants to kick your butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slightly anachronistic, maybe. Um. Then we get this is definitely a, a good a, a trope from like you were saying. This is kind of a a movie that kind of takes every cool kind of fight through different kung fu movies and just does it really well. Right. And this is the classic like big heavy guy versus the, the and, fast and the east kung fu ver- master. Like yeah, the east very much west. east versus yeah. west. And yeah, this is an amazing sequence, and we haven't really talked about it. And I guess maybe it doesn't uh, need mentioning, but. Jet's physical performance in this movie is oh my gosh it's it's amazing mm-hmm. um you know there are, there is the occasional double and it's actually kind of interesting they don't make too much of an effort to kind of hide the doubles when when it is there but there there's just um kind of routine after routine where it's just this beautiful close up on on Jet and uh not really any undercranking but every performer is just throwing so much energy and speed and power into these routines and um yeah this it's it is almost like a circus attraction just mm-hmm. seeing the disparity of these two they're they're physically different in almost every way possible and um yeah this is another one of the highlights I, i'd have to say mm-hmm. i like what you're yeah. saying about the how sort of clean and sleek everything is and i sort of i think the kind of like mainland china action films that are kind of being made now it's almost like taking that sleek, clean art direction off kind of exponentially, uh, maybe mm. off too far. And I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I find it kind of refreshing, just the, the really nice mix here in Fearless. Like like you were saying, Matthew, it does feel like we're kind of nailing the period. And, you know, there's some kind of bumps and bruises, but it is also, you know, beautiful to look at. Yeah, for sure. And you do get a sense of Bo Yanja's growth as a martial artist here. 
where he's doing a lot to avoid the confrontation and right, he's yeah. doing a lot to let Hercules O'Brien defeat himself. Absolutely. He he kind of gets him so far like, you know, enraged by this that he almost ends up, you know, hurting himself and Ho Yanja actually uses uh his martial his arts to save him. Yeah. So it's a, it's a victory in more ways than one because not only does he defeat him as an opponent, but he gains his respect. And um, yeah, that was another thing that um, Jet Li was saying, where it's like, if you know, if you're punching somebody, you can defeat them. But, you know, as hard as you punch a person, you'll never be able to change their heart. Yeah, that's showcased right here. So oh, not only great. does he win this match, but he wins the hearts of everyone in the crowd. Yeah. And it's basically creating the sensation where he's bringing China together just, you know, by showcasing this. Yeah, philosophy, and he also wins the respect of Hercules O'Brien because right. he this little like a part of the ring kind of comes out and it's like a spike, mm-hmm. and Yanja stops Brian from like basically impaling his head on it. Yeah, and totally. he bows to they kind of bow to each other and both have, have respect. Yeah, it's really cool. So then yeah. the other, it's a really it's a really cool fight. Yeah, yeah. What what you're getting now is that Nong Jinsoon realizes. The power of Ho Yeonja's influence, mm-hmm. and he sees this as like a really great thing that can happen to China. So he's got his full support now, and actually mm-hmm. Jin Soon wants to create with with Ho Yeonja. He wants to create the Chinwu Athletic Association. They have a really good uh, scene where they're kind of you know they they kind of alluded to it earlier with him helping him out. But um, now it's like really, truly, are they making up with each other? And they're both growing as human beings together. It's pretty cool. And this is also, he tells them that uh, he sold the restaurant. And he's like throwing his full support into this this yeah. league. This is going to be the, the way forward for but not only their lives, but also for, for China as a whole. And then, I, okay, so uh, following this... You get a short scene and you see these characters in the audience during this exhibition match um, of basically kind of like the evil Westerners. Well, not totally because there's a Japanese <laughs> uh, man in this scene as well. But they're the guys that are kind or of conspiring. Evil foreigners, I guess you could say. Evil foreigners, yes. The, yeah. They're conspiring oh, against Huo Yanja. That's right. That's right. I remember that because... Because the movie seemed like the movie could almost be wrapped up with them saying like, yeah, we're going to start this this sports league and everything. And like that could totally then flash back to you, to Michelle Yeoh saying, yep, and that's how this got started. <laughs> but then but then instead we see all these the, the evil foreigners standing around playing poker and talking about, you know, hey, we should we should show how, how much better we are than everyone else. Dude, I like this so much. So Matthews, he... All of these movies that we've seen, like you could almost make your own typical kung fu cut, the Matthew cut, with all the stuff <laughs> you're expecting to see from the old movie. So, like that was like your freeze frame smash cut ending that you yeah. would have seen if this happened in right. like you know seventy eight or like yeah. eighty two. <laughs> yeah, I love it. This is great. This is great. This you have your own character arc within the podcast. one thing i wanted to say about these foreigners is that the japanese guy i'm pretty sure is talking in in japanese i can't remember if Mm. he does in this scene or another one but the the uh, other westerners are 
uh, speaking in English. And I'm pretty sure all of them say Yanja in a different way. <laughs> I think that's true. Which I just yeah. thought was kind of funny. Awesome. Perhaps you'd be interested in joining our little wager against this Hua Yuanjia fellow. Mita, you are certain Wanjua will lose? Yeah, I love that. The one thing I wanted to mention about the Japanese uh, man in the scene, his name is Masato Harada, I think. Let me check. He's a director, right? Yeah, and actually, um, there's kind of like this really nerdy mecha, like Japanese movie that it's called Gunhead, and it's like kind of very aesthetically can fall in line with like Aliens or um, Terminator stuff from that era, but uh-huh. it's like a live action movie with a lot of really cool like practical effects of like robots and stuff like that. And he's the guy that hmm. directed that movie, which I didn't know until I did research for this. Uh, episode which is kind of cool oh, awesome huh yeah and i think he was Neat. also in uh the last samurai or something like that yes yeah. he was had uh, apparently had a pretty prominent role in the last samurai but yeah i think if i remember right uh because i actually when i was re-watching it recently I'd, i had never seen the english dub so i was just curious they definitely redubbed his voice but it, it looks like a lip sync it looks like he was delivering this scene in english so i couldn't mm. remember if they dubbed his voice in the or or how they basically how they treated that in the in the cantonese version oh, Ooh, okay. i'm actually not sure i can't remember but after they're basically saying they're going to have this tournament where each you know these four people would all fight yanja in in turn and basically they'd be placing bets against him. But it was great because one of the guys says, all right, I'll mix it up. I'm going to bet on Yansha. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> basically set him up for like, uh, you know, like in a video game, you're getting towards the end and you have to do this boss rush where you have to like. Yeah, it's totally a boss rush. One after the other in succession. <laughs> you get no time to save your game or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Or heal or anything between them. Yep. Yeah, that's totally yeah, what's this, happening right now. The last bit is 100% a fighting game. It's like these these interesting people from all different parts of the world and their different gimmicks and and they're fighting one after the other yeah love it but we we get this great uh little scene that it's it's almost feels like it's it's jet lee just saying to the audience his beliefs about about martial arts but he's having this conversation with the japanese fighter who's going to be uh, facing off against in this this final bout yeah o- over uh, tea yeah his name is ano tanaka tanaka that's yeah. it He's going to face against Tanaka, but before he has this whole conversation about, you know, like self-discovery and, and balance and, and that, you know, the greatest the greatest fight is within you. And that echoes what you heard his mother say earlier in the movie that, you know, you can you can beat up anyone, but you got to be able to win the fight within yourself. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. And so that leads us to. Uh, oh, actually. I think this scene might be in a different place because this next bit is where you see Jet Li doing all these, you know, practicing all these moves in a, in a field that looks, I mean, it looks kind of fake, but it is really pretty. So I think uh, but that's, I think this, I guess this is different. Yeah. Area. For, for, for my version that I saw, that's mm-hmm. the scene that I yeah, mentioned towards the towards end. Yeah, that's that's the, the village section. Yeah. Wow. I feel like it makes more sense there uh, for, for reasons we'll see in a minute. Mm hmm. But yeah, that's that's where it happens in this movie, in this version at least. So now in your version, you see all of these fights, right? Yep, yep. In this, in this, apparently in the theatrical version, you see the first three fights at the beginning, 
But in this version, all four fights happen one after the other. And they're all they're all pretty great because yeah. we first get a fight against uh, a British boxer. He has some amazing mutton chops. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> no, they're yeah, beautiful. <laughs> and I did yeah. hear a, a bit of them talking to the actor in the scene, and all the fighters are cast from different areas. The you know, it's like he didn't just use a pool of uh, Western actors. It looks like he sought out um, actors from different regions to res- represent oh, cool. different fighting styles there okay, was a- so this oh this makes more okay including in the director's cut it has like a literally like a card that like a little title card that says who the person is where they're from and what they do oh yeah oh. i think those were so added says, like, for the director's yeah cut. i don't have those oh, really online. yeah i don't see because i could have because i could have seen that being at the beginning showing like all the different people he's fighting in this but huh mm. that's interesting yeah that's not in my version huh cool yeah I, I wonder you know that's one of those things that like it may not have actually been a director's cut it may have been you know sometimes these director's cuts are assembled after after the fact and so you're kind of george lucasing your movie a little bit <laughs> right um so i could see that as being something when kind of going over a new edit realizing like oh you know it might actually help having a little text here or something then a big bantha walks in front of the screen <laughs> right. I, I always wanted that, that to be there jeez it never ends (laughs) sorry no dude i i love i I just i just wanted to hear marty do his george lucas impression no i i love george lucas and he's i mean yeah i think a lot of our lives would not be the same oh yeah without that man Uh, but we see him fight this this boxer we see the fight this belgian guy who's like a lancer he has this huge this huge spear that he's i really like this yeah this fight's really cool so you get this the chinese spear with the little tassel on it and you get Mm -hmm. this western military like kind of uniform dude and they're really going for it and i love how it ends up happening where the the belgian you said is he's belgian yeah belgian okay belgian's what it says yeah he ends up getting really frustrated because he's getting outplayed and he like snaps his lance and then <laughs> they kind of have a standoff where he stabs forward but because he snapped it whole yan jazz is longer so it's like this really cool <laughs> shot of uh, reverse yep. reversal very cool very cool and then the third is we get a it just says the fencing champion of europe and the guy's name um, it said Anthony Kasia for one, but other things said it was Anthony Garcia. That mm. makes more sense to me because he has kind of like a Spanish. Yeah, flair I, to I him. got kind of Spanish vibes from this guy too. Yeah, and this whole uh, sequence is it's like a nice little evolution of what we see at the end of Wheels on Meals a little bit. Anyways, I was yeah, just yeah, I was gonna of, say of that. Yeah, for sure. With the with the fencing kind of uh, matched up with and and you know Spanish in general. Uh, <laughs> right. Spanish being represented in a kung fu movie, yeah. Uh, but but it, and it's another great, like you said, another great East versus West, where he has the you know the Chinese sword and he has like a, uh, it's not an epee, but it's a you know they're kind of fencing sword. And that dude is super good. Like his form, oh, yeah. is amazing. And but I still really like how Huo Yanja mm-hmm. gets the upper hand at the end by. Mm-hmm. doing this counter attack that kind of slides right through the hilt of the sword, so he disarms yeah. him. And held holds his sword up to his throat. Very There's cool. There's some really inventive disarming. We didn't mention uh, in the tea house fight. We talked about those rings in the sword, and mm-hmm. Jet Li does something oh, yeah. that I've never seen in any 
and any other fight, but it's pretty brilliant. And it's also a great way to capture just how advanced of, of a fighter Huo Yongja is. But as the sword is thrusting at him, he's able to like put his thumb into one of the rings and yeah. fling the sword out. It's yeah, it's really amazing. cool. Yeah, really cool. And so we finally get the the last fight, which is against Tanaka, mm-hmm. who is I think he's supposed to be a judo master, right? It it definitely it's, seems like he knows more than one uh, art because yeah, when, well, yeah. When yeah. we start off, he's using a katana blade, and then mm-hmm. after that, then he's using more of like a karate kind of mm-hmm. judo. Uh, and actually, judo could call back to the actual history of Huo Yanja because. You know, like I said, he that's was... True. That's the actual person that he... The last person that he fought. Yeah. Well, the thing was that I read was he was suffering from uh, jaundice and he was seeing a, like a therapist that was Japanese and he was part of a judo association. So mm-hmm. um, he invited him to uh, participate in an event. So what ended up happening is... Okay, well, all right. So what, what happened was after he died... Many years, like I think in 1989, they exhumed the graves to move them to uh, where I believe is like a memorial site now. But when they did that, they saw that there were like black spots on the bones. And people say that that can be a sign that there was poison or. um, Wow. Yeah. It was like arsenic, Arsenic, right? Yes. And um, there's conflicted information here because that can also the type of arsenic was used in medications back at that yeah, time say, like ancient tr- chinese. Traditional chinese medicine has arsenic in it sometimes yep so but- some people aren't sure if they were actually purposefully poisoning him or if he just got kind of got too much right. or misdiagnosed or something right so some of the leaders of the chinwu association were speculating that Huo yanja was poisoned so right. all of these things you know you have the uh you know the russian a wrestler incident with the sick men of Asia statement. And actually, uh, Hercules O'Brien, that was a thing that happened too, where um, Hercules O'Brien in history uh, was an Irish boxer that Huo Yanjiao was going to fight. And actually, people don't even know if he actually fought him or not. So um, they pull facts from history, but they play yeah. around with it a lot. It's a movie, right? Mm. But I still do think that right. some of that kind of, that family stuff is kind of unforgivable when you're kind of portraying a historical figure yeah. like this. And, you know, yeah. it's not like with Wong Fei Hung where, it, you know, there's... It's like a legendary. Yeah, almost. you don't know if there's more of a legend to Wong Fei Hung than the actual person himself, where Huo Yanja has like a, a lineage here that can testify yeah. to certain things. Right. Yeah. Because this whole final fight and Huo Yanja's real life death happened in 1910, I believe. Yeah. And, it's and just... so like, that's not that like, there's very much recorded history and you know there are people who conceivably would could still have been alive that knew him yeah you know? yeah yeah you can see right, how they would kind of kids. make the make the misstep i, I think like you're saying almost kind of equating it to like a legendary figure like wong fei hung or lam sai wing or something and i don't know that there was ever very much care to kind of align those those stories with any kind of uh history but yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd think you'd at least maybe kind of get in touch with the family or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the judge ended up dismissing it, saying that it, it was, or, you know, throughout the case. And I mean, I think you do have kind of creative license for something like that. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's 
it is a really uh, dramatic, you know, story. Like we were, we were saying, I mean, it's it just kind of grips you the 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 murder of his of his family. And mm-hmm. um, as a fan of the movie, I, I think it's really bold storytelling, and it's maybe one of the stronger parts of the film. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it is also kind of reckless from the family's perspective. Yeah, it's a little unfair. I'd be mad. But so yeah. <laughs> But so what happens in the movie at this point is first we see this really, really incredible fight between Yancha and Tanaka. And Tanaka has a katana and Yancha uses a, oh, okay, I have it written down. Um, Sanjagun or something like that or Sanjagun. Yeah, basically you yeah. just okay. say it's a. But it's a three, it's a three section staff. Yes. It's like a staff, yeah. but it's like has chains connecting three different sections together. And I think Sanjagun literally just means like three section staff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he Jet Li is Jet so Li. amazing with this. Ooh. This is maybe some of his most impressive material mm-hmm. like ever on film. I mean, whew. he does some incredible stuff with it. And one of my favorite bits in the fight is uh, at one point they get their weapons swapped. Yeah. But uh, Tanaka ends up hitting himself in the head with the section staff. <laughs> right. And so they both just kind of stop and, and switch weapons back before fighting again. Yeah, like you can imagine all of those episodes of America's Funniest Home Videos where kids are swinging nunchucks around. <laughs> yeah, and, hitting Bob Saget and now you're something. actually yeah. adding yeah. a whole extra part to that. Like, mm-hmm. come on, you're going to have to be a pro to mess around with that. So, yeah, yeah it's really cool seeing how Huo Yanja still is holding his own when they get their weapons swapped, but uh, Tanaka has to just kind of be like, whoa, come on, let's just switch back. Yeah. It's also showing the the respect that they have for each other as fighters. Yeah, yeah totally. You know, the, it, you know, it's not... Right now, it's not about winning. It's about testing each other with respect for what yeah, you're Yeah, they're not doing. trying to kill each other. They're trying to figure out who's the better fighter. Yeah. Right. And then uh, it's it's great when they kind of resume fighting with their original weapons uh tanaka ends up like slicing through the chains Mm -hmm. Um, then this is a great portion of the fight then Jet Li is basically just taking two of the stabs and fighting with them and there's no undercranking here at least i don't think so but jet is just flying through Mm -hmm. through this part of the fight it's yeah it's really it's it's definitely something to be seen but the fight, the first round ends in a draw because they both get, you know, right at each other's necks and they call it a draw. And Yanja sits back down and we see at one point a person swaps out his tea or with a different cla- a different cup of tea and he drinks it and they start the fight again. But not far into the fight, Yanja literally pukes all over Tanaka. And it's like, and it's black. like black. I mean, this is like brown. something it's from really Freddy versus Jason or Bride of yeah. Chucky. It's like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that, no, I, that kind of makes more sense because this next whole little bit's really gross. Um, <laughs> because, right. like, they, they stop at first, but basically Yanja says, like, he's going to, he's going to finish the fight. But he's has most of this fight. He literally is like covered in his own gross brown puke, and like it's just getting all over him. It's getting all over Tanaka, and like everyone's just kind of like, "Are you sure you want to keep doing this?" Yeah. Uh, but he but he keeps getting in there, and it's oof. The yeah. And there's like this music that's really like sad mm-hmm. and and kind of like punctuating 
what's going on. Ko Yanja realizes the gravity of the situation where now it's it's not about him anymore. It's about China as a country and as a culture. He's been fighting with this. He says something like, you know, I've been pushing myself so hard. It, you know, it's got to be going through my system already. So he just wants right. to be able to finish this fight for the sake of everyone else. And mm-hmm. uh, even Tanaka says, you know, look, you don't have to do this. Like, you should value your own life. And um, they just continue the fight. You know, it's it's, it's amazing because it is the, his final opponent. But don't you guys think Tanaka is one of the most, like, likable characters? Oh, totally. Really yeah. film. Like, mean, I was thinking really, I want to see his movie. Yeah, and he's really... Um, I don't know. It's, I think it's one of those elements in like a martial arts film that almost kind of gets you choked up a little bit, or sort of like the guy version of getting, uh, yeah, the yeah macho version of getting like choked up or whatever. Because it's just there's like that mm-hmm. honor among fighters that there's yeah, it's, it's not really about violence. Really, it's about some other kind of code beyond that, and it's really amazing. This the final fight. You kind of get to have it always because. When you think about it, sometimes there's something a little bit unsatisfying or it can even get as far as like something kind of twisted about, you know, when you're really trying to kind of like murder the person in the in the finale. And mm-hmm. um, there's something so much more poignant that's happening here. And uh, it first starts with his students. And what I like here is uh, one of the students is clearly his first opponent, the, his yeah. bully from when he was a is a kid um but they start kind of like chanting for hua young ja and then it's it seems like it's pretty much the entire crowd is chanting for him and when he's back on his feet with tanaka he says you know this isn't this isn't about me anymore or something something yeah something like that they continue the fight a good bit and Huo, and again another great callback to the being of the movie he goes and he almost does the same punch that he killed Chen with, but he stops just right. just short of doing it. And, you know, as a great callback to his father um, sparing the opponent in the very first scene of the movie, he does, he stops the punch. And there's a great bit of him, like, kind of giving this little half smile and then falling over. Yeah. And because uh, yeah. he's just too weak. The thing I like about that is that. Tanaka as a fighter realizes what just happened. He understands mm-hmm. that if Huo Yanja was at his full strength, I would have lost the match. Mita-san, the, the kind of evil Japanese, yeah, evil is evil kind guy. of yelling at him like, stop the match, he's, he's done, Like I want my victory. And Tanaka goes down and picks up Huo Yanja and raises his hand in victory. So everyone in the audience, everybody is just enraptured with the drama of the situation Really, even though Ho Yanja is poisoned and is going to die, he is the victor of this situation. Yep. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah, and Tanaka like lifting him up. Um, yeah, and just him saying his name, you know, yelling it. Whoa, yeah. Yanja, and everybody yeah. like his his uh, students rush up to get him, and Tanaka bows. And actually, there was a another funny thing that I didn't notice until I looked it up is that the bell ringer and the announcer are like two westerners and they're credited as being named dante and randall like from clerks <laughs> like from clerks <laughs> I, <laughs> and i looked it up and i was like is this a joke and then it yeah it says that i don't they're not referred to by name in the movie but yeah. they're credited as dante and it's dante randall. and randall that's really funny <laughs> that's great yeah yeah 
um, when you see the crowd chanting for Huo Yanja, you also see uh, Master Chin's wife and daughter are there in that mm-hmm. audience as well. Yeah. yeah, you kind of see like everyone throughout the movie yep. represented, and and that's and that's, that's the end of the fight. And he, you know, he's the winner, but he he dies there. And um, this is another bit of CGI, I guess. Mm-hmm. Seeing it like the camera slowly zooms out and then goes out to the sky. And then this is a little cheesy. I don't know. Like, I, I respect it, but it's a little cheesy. Um, you see, I guess, like his spirit doing like those um, practicing out in the field, yeah. like we saw earlier in the movie. Right. Mar- um, Marty, it's his force ghost, right? Yeah, it's totally yeah, it's totally a force ghost. <laughs> uh, and he's you know practicing out in the field. And we see Moon, the woman, the blind woman that he was kind of like had a relationship with before kind of standing out there and smiling and because she can see wait a second (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what i was thinking too is like i i get what you're going for but yeah it's a tough Um, i mean maybe yeah maybe there is some more poignancy because she's blind but can see the spirit but it's is a little yeah there's there's yeah there's enough potential um kind of loose threads here where if if i feel feel like there's less cheesy ways they could have done it yeah, I don't know, but but it's still it's definitely a very poignant ending to the movie, and here's the crazy part: I definitely wasn't expecting this uh, because the credits start, and uh, in the director's cut after the first like the main credits where it says like the director and all the main actors, yeah, then there's actually a really brief scene with Michelle Yeoh again. Oh, and someone asks like do you do you think it'll be enough and michelle Yeoh says you know i I did my best and that's what's important and it just kind of walks off hmm. and i was thinking huh that's that's kind of interesting like just a weird little like 30 seconds yeah. here at the end there michelle yeah. do you think you'll you'll be in this movie i did i did yeah. my best <laughs> yeah but, but no, it is it is a shame to lose that you shot scenes with yeah, michelle that, that Yeoh promise of that, michelle Yeoh in yeah, there to but then lose just her gets, from the movie is is yeah. a real blow but yeah, given the kind of how it how it's structured and how her scenes worked, it's yeah, completely understandable and yeah, I don't know. I I think this is one of those neat instances where maybe each cut of the film might have some of its own drawbacks and uh it actually kind of I in, in a way sort of validates both of them, you know, they each have their strengths and maybe areas where they're not as strong and so it's reason to watch the movie twice if anything but i i really enjoyed the movie a lot and i think it's it's interesting because it almost feels like a bit of a critique on the kung fu movie itself mm. like the, the ah, that's you know, that style point. of film because mm. it's 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 really funny watching this next to fist of legend and definitely next to fist of fury because those you know the the main characters in those movies are supposed to be a direct disciple of Huo Yanja. And at the end of this movie, he literally says to someone, no, don't, don't avenge me. That's just going to cause this big cycle of, of, of violence. And <laughs> then you watch fist of fury where, you know, Bruce Lee's stringing up five different people in the pursuit of the person that, that, <laughs> that poisoned his master. Right. <laughs> just, it feels like he kind of missed the point. <laughs> But this is a really great movie. Yeah. Uh, definitely, definitely among my my favorites that we've watched so far. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, r- really, a lot of delightful sequences that I hadn't remembered all that well. And so, yeah, great to great to rewatch this. And yeah, I don't think any kind of Jet Li career retrospective could be complete without Fearless. He really 
sort of left so much on the field or whatever, however you want to describe mm-hmm. it. Um, and you really like, like you guys are saying it's beyond his physical performance. Uh, you seem to get so much of Jet Li, the man and uh, Jet Li's philosophy throughout, throughout yeah. Fearless here. More than, more than any other movie we watched, this is very yeah. much a Jet Li movie. Yeah. And it's definitely deserving of having the, the name in the West being Jet Li's Fearless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, did, I, I know I mentioned it before. Uh, did both of you guys end up seeing uh, Legend of a Fighter? I watched a bit of it. I didn't complete it. I was kind of going back and forth, doing some research and watching parts of it. I I could only find like it on YouTube, and it wasn't oh, the best. Oh, like a YouTube thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I yeah, I wasn't able to. Oh no, to no, find no problem. Probably. Just curious because yeah, in some ways you could almost look at Fearless as like a remake of Legend of a Fighter, which was actually hmm. directed by Yuan Wu Ping. So mm-hmm. there's. And that came out in like eighty two, yeah. right? Eighty two, yeah. And um, anyways, it's I think probably yeah seems pretty quaint compared to kind of like the production <laughs> value of Fearless, but still a really great film. And it's kind of I don't know. There's almost this sense that Jet Li is almost trying to take what worked so well in Fist of Legend and kind of in his own way push that to the next level. And I also almost get the sense that Yun Wu Ping is trying to almost sort of outdo himself. Um, mm. getting another chance at sort of telling this story and having some of these really unique asymmetrical matchups, which are really a huge part of Hua Young Jaw's story, you know, like being kind of this international uh, fighter. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook. Just search Heroes 3 Podcast on there. Follow us on Twitter at Heroes 3 Podcast. That's Heroes the Number 3 Podcast. Thank you to anyone that's coming in here from the Kung Fu Cinema subreddit. There's a lot of cool uh, clips and news and stuff over there if you guys haven't checked it out. And I think this is going to be the last episode for a hot minute because of, like we said, we're recording this just before Christmas. It's going to come out just after Christmas. And we're going to take a little break because we're all going to MAGFest, which if you're if you're coming to MAGFest, say hi to us. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah for absolutely. sure. I don't know how much of a crossover there is, but if you yeah. are going to be at MAGFest, make sure to let us know because we'll totally say hi. I'll play you in some yeah. Street yeah, Fighter. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. It's, it's kind of the one time of year where all three of us get to be in the same place at the same time. So yeah. we're yeah. super looking forward to it. Very exciting. Yeah, so we're going to kind of take a little bit of a holiday. So we'll see you guys uh, next year. In probably about a month. Yeah, I would say something yeah, like that. Yeah, probably four weeks. And uh, like we're going to kind of let you guys know what we're going to be coming back with. We have some ideas right now. But yeah, we'll, we'll let you know whenever we get closer to the time. We have a few ideas kicking around, but we're definitely going to try to take it in kind of a, a little bit of a different direction, focusing more on the the Asian cinema part and not so much directly on Hong Kong movies, yep. but I think you guys will, yeah. I think you guys will enjoy it. So and even the, even, even the format of the show, we're going to try to kind of brainstorm yep. and play and kind of find hopefully the most entertaining way we can kind of deliver this mm-hmm. content. Yeah. It's all exciting. People that are, the people that are listening right now, you're the, you're the real, the, the true warriors that are listening through this Absolutely. almost two hour podcast. And, <laughs> uh, but we're hopefully, you know, gonna keep it get a little, a little tighter. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited. excited. So, uh, until then, till next week, next year. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day of posting, I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. We are the Heroes Three. Remember your training. <laughs>
Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.